Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 has boycotting officially gone too far and then we're joined by keith mayer to talk about his efforts to raise money to send abuse victims to the sbc convention you're listening to the common good Happy Thursday, friends. It's June 1st. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. I don't know what happened to May, Aubrey. It just flew on by. (laughs) Brian, I know. It just flew on by. And it's so funny because I do feel like the end of school is taking a million years. But when I woke up this morning and I was like, how is it June 1st? Like, time is... Time is weird, right? Like, it moves fast and slow at the same time, especially as you get older. Like, it just is the most bizarre thing. But yeah, it's June. How did June get here? It's June. June got here. It's June, people! And before we know it, we're going to be full-fledged into the summer, and school will finally end. It does. Uh, We both have some kids out, some kids not out. It just, at this point, it feels like... You guys aren't doing anything in school anymore. I'm hearing about watching movies or doing it. Just let them go. Just yep. call yep. it. <laughs> yeah, call it. It's over. It's done. It. There's no point. We know teachers need the break as much as the kids do. They're done. Let's just, let's just be done. I but know there's laws. I've got about... two more weeks of school at my house. Oh, so we've got, I mean, right. It's brutal. It's brutal. I know there's laws about how many days our kids have to go to school, but we won't tell if you don't tell. We won't tell. tell. We'll keep it a we'll secret. We'll just pretend. <laughs> Uh, but we'll, we'll go down that part. All right, Aubrey, we've been talking a lot over the last uh, two or three weeks about boycotts. Uh, and you and I have walked a pretty middle road of like, uh, not a big fan of them, but yep. it's everybody's right. Everyone's boycott right. What that's, what's, that's what America's about. Boycott what you want. It started a with the tea the- party. Exactly, exactly. A lot of it has to do with issues of sexuality and gender and, you know, Target, Bud Light, Kohl's, all of this stuff. Aubrey, it's Jump the Shark now. You know that saying, Jump the Shark from Happy Days? Yeah, from Happy Days, yep. So it is now officially gone too far. Can I tell you why? Uh, I don't know if I want to know. I'm going to close my ears and you tell everyone else why. (laughs) No, tell me. Let's hear it. Let's go. What is it? What's the deal? Our very conservative friends... There is now, as of yesterday, a growing movement, a call to boycott Chick-fil-A. <laughs> They're coming for the Jesus wait, chicken, Aubrey. Wait, They're wait, coming wait, wait. for the Jesus chicken. Wait, wait. Oh, pause. Hold on. Not from the left. Not no, from no. the progressive liberals. Go to the right. From the right. See, we've talked about this. There's always the bell curve where the... Mm-hmm. The very left and the very right meet because the left are, you know, they've been boycotting Chick-fil-A for a very long time because of, you know, the more progressive people have been boycotting the conservative right. Chick-fil-A. So we all meet in the middle. We're all the same in the end. We're all the same what? In the okay. End. Time out. Why? How? Wherefore? I don't understand how this is even possible. Talk so to me. it started when I saw a tweet retweeted by David French. This is Eric Erickson. 
who's a very conservative dude, but he said, you all really going to boycott Chick-fil-A? When you start boycotting every business as, quote, woke, the average American will think you're full of, I'm going to insert a word here, yes, garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The company has a DEI page. I'll explain that in a second because that is what this is all about. But then he wrote, it also has this, and he screenshotted their corporate purpose statement, which is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so he referenced the DEI page, and this is what's going on. I'm reading from the New York Post. Okay. Chick-fil-A sparks anti-woke outrage for... A vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, dear God. Chick-fil-A, the chicken sandwich chain, long beloved by conservatives, this article says, for its longstanding opposition to same-sex marriage. I would say it's also because the chicken's really good. uh, Is now (laughs) sparking boycott calls after announcing that it has hired an executive in charge of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They announced on Tuesday that it was naming Eric McReynolds to the post of vice president of DEI, igniting angry denunciations on Twitter from conservatives. From racists. From racists. Has gone woke. There's our word. I, it's our I word. am telling you now it's just like <laughs> if you're a racist, you call things woke that's what i've decided like this is literally that's all this is is racism right there because we god forbid we have diversity in our employee our employees like Uh, i i really do not understand the problem with this at all in fact if you're a christian i think you would be excited about this because it's more image bearers representing the kingdom of god at a christian organization so this is ridiculous i'm going to try to be a little fair and say Uh, there's no fair no i will not hear it I just think it's hilarious that we're talking about Chick-fil-A. Like, we've gone to the point. It's your bell curve idea earlier. Yeah. Chick-fil-A has been in the crosshairs of the far left and the progressives for so long that now it is the far right over this uh, vice president of uh, equity and inclusion or development. What was the D? Diversity, equity, and inclusion and also women like god forbid we hire women i just i can't i cannot with this and you're right it's chick-fil-a like you guys come on it's the christian this is like this is like boycotting hobby lobby (laughs) you know what i mean like are you joking this is like this is like boycotting billy graham i am boycotting it is it's like boycotting billy graham there you go i think you just nailed it hobby lobby hobby lobby wishes it could be (laughs) chick-fil-a you know what's so funny i i like chick-fil-a because their food's good but my youngest son is allergic to peanuts, and they cook their chicken and peanut oil, which is what makes it so delicious. So we can't go there as a family. But now I'm like, I'm going to be like, we're all going to Chick-fil-A all the time. <laughs> we are supporting Chick-fil-A actively as a reaction to this. It does <laughs> this is feel craziness. Like, and to my point before, it does feel like when I love what Eric Erickson said, and he's normally a pretty conservative dude. I will. Let me pause here and say, in, in to be fair, the the call to boycott Chick-fil-A is I'm giving it a little tongue in cheek because it really is coming from the far, far right. Of yeah, l- l- it's extreme. It's extreme. The, that's that's good know, to say. I want to make sure we say. don't equate this with the calls towards Target or okay. whatever else, yeah, which yeah. you might think are also crazy or not right, crazy. Right, right. So, but I do think it is a, yet again, a call of like, 
maybe this is going a little far. Like I at mean... the end, who are we not going to be boycotting? And if you're boycotting everybody, are you actually boycotting anybody? Anybody. I think that's a really fair question. And then where are you going to get your chicken sandwiches? Most importantly, you're going to go As to McDonald's for those? No, nope, you're not. Nope. As we've said, because they probably have a director, uh, a, uh, a VP of <laughs> right. diversity Popeyes? and inclusion. No, you're not going to go to Popeyes. I, w- I am making a stand here on the common good right now. Let's hear it. I will not, no matter the call, I will not boycott Jesus Chicken. I am not <laughs> going to do it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to listen. I mean, for heaven's sake, you go into Chick-fil-A and they got K-Love playing in the background. I, that's what I'm just thinking. They, they show up at our events. Like we like we had an AM 1160. Uh, no, no, no. We showed up at an AM 11. We showed up as we AM 1160. Race, at right, event. Yes. Right, right, I'm right. so sorry. But Chick-fil-A was there. Like they're just giving away their sandwiches to Christian organizations. You cannot argue with this. Yeah, yeah it, this, this is this is like this I read is this entertaining. Said, it's I actually said, entertaining. Boycotting on the right has officially jumped the shark. <laughs> We're going after Chick Fil A. <laughs> the next call. It is the what'd next you, call. Wait, what'd you compare it to? You said it's not like hobby. Oh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? If Billy Graham were still alive, he's got like a he's got one he's of these woke. big revivals going. I'm, like, I'm not going to that. No. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm out. <laughs> it is fair to say that it is the extreme right. That's good, but I do. I think it's just funny the bell curve. It all it, it always is. meets. It always meets in agreement. The, I love it. The far love right it. and the far left can watch us enjoy our Jesus chicken. <laughs> Seriously, and, and they'll be there. drooling as they watch. Yeah. Oh, so good funny. times. Good times. It's funny. So it has officially happened. Coming up next, joined by a fascinating guy by the name of Keith Meyer. He's a pastor. Uh, and a missionary, but he has gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of weeks because he has raised money, particularly to send abuse victims to the Southern Baptist Convention convention in June. He raised the money quickly, and we're going to talk to him about why is he doing this. Going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. And Aubrey, you and I were talking about a story, I believe, last week mm-hmm. that was getting some attention on Twitter maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, about a pastor who was raising money to send victims of abuse to the Southern Baptist Convention meetings coming up here in June. Uh, And it really kind of went viral, got a lot of attention. And so we said, let's get him on. And so we are thrilled to be joined by Keith Meyer. Keith is uh, a pastor of Harvest Baptist Church out of Salisbury, Maryland. Keith, how are you doing today, man? Doing good. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. Keith, uh, for people unaware of the story, kind of give us the background. Give us the story of uh, what you did and maybe also the motivation behind it. Why did you decide to do what you did? Sure. Um, well, as a pastor and uh, I'm an associational leader in a uh, in a Baptist association here in the Baptist Convention of Maryland and Delaware, we've always taken uh, abuse issues seriously. And uh, so logging on to... Uh, Twitter in around 2020 and discovering um, that that there were national problems in the SBC and that ones that have been going on for a long time uh, after educating myself and uh, connecting with with some survivors on on Twitter. Um, I, I just felt that it, it's important to have these voices in the room with us as we make these decisions. Uh, and so um, in in collaboration with a few people, we suggested putting together a fundraiser. And I did the math on what it took me to get to the annual meeting 
the previous year and what it was going to take to get me there again. And, uh, and so we set out to, uh, to raise the money to get anyone who spoke up and said that they wanted to attend, get them, get them there. And, awesome. uh, and so, yeah, on May, uh, April 30th, I think we successfully completed raising all the funds that we needed. Oh, so. so amazing, Keith. Yeah. Um, I am curious. I feel like I know the answer to this, but I, I don't. So that's what I want to know. I'm curious if you've gotten pushback on this. Uh, some there's there's been a little bit. Uh, a couple people have um, have hinted that this is a way that we're going to try to stack microphones. But mm. uh, the folks who are coming uh, in large part, none of them are registered as messengers. And so uh, non messengers can't go to the phone uh, to the microphones. So uh, the, the purpose of having. Uh, survivors in the room is to talk to pastors, you know, yeah. to, to put faces on stories. Um, and, uh, and also, uh, there are different, different meetings. Um, survivors meet one another at the annual meeting and, and, and develop friendships or, uh, connect with one another, but also, uh, there's a lot of reporters there and it mm-hmm. gives them an opportunity to, uh, to share their stories. So it's, yeah. So this is probably a complicated question, Keith, but uh, as a part of the denomination, are you? Uh, do you feel good about the trajectory that they're going in caring for survivors of dealing with the issues, or is this something that you're hoping will kind of, you know, continue to put a face on the issue and kind of fast forward them to do maybe what's not happening now? Um, I think that we have some serious challenges. Um, I, I do think when you look at the history of of reform, you know, starting. At, at, or at least of of protests starting in uh, 2007, I believe was the first time a, a, a motion was made. That's a that's a long time ago in terms of, of convention life. Yeah. And so I, I think that there have been some helpful developments. I, I think that we've still got a lot of a lot of um, ground to cover. Um, but I also I think that that that. After the database is live and they they deal with the current trouble with Category Four, uh, it really um, the, I think the burden falls on state conventions and local associations and and local churches to really investigate, educate, and then implement uh, protection systems, which is which is what we're doing in the Baptist Convention of Maryland and Delaware. Uh, that's our our focus is is resourcing our churches and, and getting them. Uh, trained, educated, and helping them implement. I, I think the average pastor, they say the average SBC church is between 30 and 75 people. The average pastor just does not even know where to start. Yeah, and so, right. you know, um, it's, it's not as big and political for them as it is for the, for the, for some people attending the convention. Um, a lot of it is just, I don't even know how to begin to do that. Mm. And so I'm really, I'm really thankful for our convention and, and for our, our ministry consultants who've who've worked with our task force to to develop an educational program where we can sit a pastor or some volunteers down and say, hey, here are all the steps that you need to take. Um, awesome. and, and we'll we'll be with you as, yeah. as you do that. Um, Keith, this is a kind of off topic, but related to the convention. Do you have any thoughts on what will be sort of the main conversational points this year? Oh, well, I, de- I definitely think you're going to see a lot of discussion about Saddleback. Um, you're going to have a lot of discussion about the um, the proposed amendment. Uh, I think that uh, the the amendment to the Constitution that um, that that's been floated around. I think there'll be some discussions about what 
uh, is going on at Southwestern. There was a report by the trustees that came out yesterday. Uh, I think you'll see quite a bit of discussion when it comes to the database with as it relates to Category 4, which is the inclusion of, of people who have been uh, that there's a preponderance of the evidence that says, hey, an, an investigation has concluded that this person is guilty. Um, yeah. When you the, the database as proposed right now, I, I think a lot of people imagine it's going to be very big. But but the, the qualifications and, and categories for it, I mean, it's actually going to be kind of small and um, smaller than a lot of people realize. Mm. So uh, I, I do think category four is important. Uh, I also think it's important that they get it right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think those will those will probably be some of the discussion yeah. points. Keith, obviously, in doing this, you've interacted with a lot of abuse victims who, you know, are, are interested in going and being a part of this. What do you hear from them that they want to hear? Like, mm-hmm. what does it look yeah. like to make things right as a denomination, as a convention for those who've suffered, whether it be a year ago or 20 years ago? Yeah, I, I think that there are a few a few themes, uh, and and I just want to clarify that you know in in no way do I consider myself a representative or someone who speaks for yeah. survivors, um, yeah. and and that's one of the things I've told a lot of them in in the course of uh, the fundraisers. Look, there are no strings on you. I don't speak for you. Yeah. You're not going to be you're not going to be ushered into any photo ops. You know, I don't expect you to you know no strings at all mm. with with this. Um, I think I think a number of people feel seen and and helped. Um, yeah. They they feel encouraged that that someone's trying to pay attention, or at least that people are paying attention. And yeah. I just I want to give a shout out here, honestly, to Twitter, which is it, it, it is Twitter users who are concerned and who care, yeah. who've, who really uh, mm. given the support. But I I think a lot of the survivors who've been in this for a long time really. They, they really want churches and leaders to take prevention seriously. Yeah. And and they, they know that a lot of these instances could have been avoided if mm-hmm. if there were better education yeah. or or if uh, denominational leaders and officials had responded quickly when yeah. when they um, when they had spoken up. You know, I, I've, I've heard a number of people say this. So not having any any church abuse experience myself. Uh, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to, to say this, but I've heard enough folks say that that while the abuse hurt and it was difficult, often it was the response of the church mm. afterwards that hurt even more. Wow! And so uh, the rejection, being shut out from community, being ignored, and so if if we can learn to change that and to care yeah. when when harm has occurred, but then also. If if we can prevent harm from occurring, you know, those are I think those are two huge wins. Yeah, yeah that's huge, Keith. So grateful that uh, you're doing this and just can't wait to hear more. Where can our listeners connect with you? Find out a little bit more about this story. Um, well, the the GoFundMe, like I said, we raised all the money. Um, if they were to search on help survivors get to NOLA, the, the, the description and uh, discussion is there. Um, but any, anybody who wants to connect with me or follow my uh, tweets from the convention, they can find me at Pasta Keith on Twitter. Um, <laughs> a lot of people want to know, like, are they like, are you really into macaroni or something? But I, I, 
I, I, I used to pastor uh, old Italian guys in New Jersey. Oh, Pastor and, uh, Keith. Pastor Keith, yeah. And so uh, it's just a thing. I never knew that yeah, I, it would ever face any scrutiny or get any attention. That's awesome. That's so That's awesome. awesome. Again, Keith Meyer, he's the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church of Salisbury, Maryland. Uh, just did this great thing to help get victims of, of abuse to the Southern Baptist Convention meetings coming up in June. We look forward to hearing how that goes. Keith, great to meet you, man. Thanks for spending some time with yeah, us Yeah, thanks today. for being here. Great to meet you both. Thank you so much for having me. The 1st of June, a Thursday Woo-hoo! afternoon. Hope that you're enjoying the uh, the dry, hot weather. There is no spring anymore. We go from like wet and kind of cold and dreary to like 90 degrees and not not a raindrop for a month that's i know I, I swear like we just put like the winter pants away yesterday you know what i mean uh, all of a sudden my kids are like mom we don't have enough t-shirts we don't have sandals that fit i'm like oh you're right it's yep. summertime isn't it as we talked about in the first uh, segment of the show today do not go to target to get those t-shirts you do not do not get chick-fil-a <laughs> on your way I, there I bought four T-shirts at Target for my son. We didn't go to Chick-fil-A, hey, though. We didn't go so to Chick-fil-A, So two things though. about that. I'll bet you those are really good T-shirts. <laughs> and enjoy wearing them when you go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's right. All right. So you know that almost on a daily basis, I will find myself at least for my free drink at Panera. Okay. But other times I'll sit there for hours and just do work and buy myself lunch and just I like being around people when I work, okay? Yes. Uh so I was at my local Panera yesterday and Aubrey, I saw something that I want to share with you that I think is like the beginnings of a Hallmark movie. <gasps> what? It's the beginnings of like uh like a Disney movie like Up, like it's the beginnings of something, okay? Or is up Pixar? I don't remember. Yeah, up so, is Pixar, but Disney owns Pixar. So that's right. That's right. So I'm sitting at Panera, and I look up, and there is an older gentleman who is probably – he struck me to be like 75 to 80 years old. Probably okay. 80. Okay. Yeah, I would have guessed 80 years old. All right? So – uh, so he's sitting by himself at Panera. So I'm already concocting this story in my mind. I'm like – his wife died recently. He's still out at their favorite place sitting here. Right. But then I realize. Getting their order. Getting their yep. special order. Then I realize uh, he's reading the newspaper. So I'm like, oh, that's fun. Who you know, reads the people, newspaper anymore? I right? love it. Yeah. Right. Old guy at Panera sitting by himself reading the newspaper. I can yeah. sign up for that. If I'm old, uh, I, yeah, I would like nice to spend life. time at Panera reading the newspaper. Yep. But then Aubrey had hit me what he was reading. The guy was reading the obituaries. Oh, no. That's so sad. And I had this thought of like, when you reach that age, you're probably reading the obituary seeing if you know anybody. For your friends. Yeah. And I'm not like, I'm, another reason I like to do things like go to Panera and stuff is I like to people watch. And I've gotten pretty good at like watching what people are doing without staring at them, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of watched him out of the corner of my eye. He was reading the obituaries for a long time. He was. Yes. Oh. And I thought a couple things. I was like, uh, radio segment, sermon illustration, boom, <laughs> sign him up. Oh. But then I thought to myself, exactly what you're doing. There's something really sad about this. So sad. Of like, 
when I was in my 20s or 30s, or when this guy was in his 20s or 30s, I doubt he was reading yeah. obituaries. No, definitely now, not. He's hit the stage of life where he's reading the obituaries like, and I don't know, he might have enjoyed it. His well, posture okay, might have let been. Me, let me throw out, let me throw out a scenario. His posture might have been, beat you, beat yeah, you, Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. There's a couple scenarios. He's like, yes, finally, they're gone, right? Yes, or yes. maybe, maybe he's an old obituary writer and he just likes to keep up with Possible. the game, the obit game editorially. <laughs> oh, it is sad. You know, two, this reminds me of two things. One, you said you wanted to have a Panera iced tea obituary life as you get older. Yeah. I want, I want a golf cart life where you like live nice. in a neighborhood where you cruise around to your friend's house on golf carts and everyone has golf carts. Like that's that my... does have fun. Let me pause and say that. Yeah. I was into his lifestyle until I realized he was reading, he was the, reading the obituary. I don't, you, you misrepresent me to say I want the Panera iced okay. tea obituary Okay, oh, gotcha. Life. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you want the Panera iced tea reading the sports kind of life. Correct. Yeah. Reading okay. the paper, not a yes. care in the world. I, yes. Once it went to obituaries, I said, no, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> this went too far. Okay, this reminds me of one more thing, and then we'll come back to the guy. Uh, have you seen, there's a new, speaking of Up, there's a new short. Well, uh, related to Up coming out, and it's called Carl's Date, and it says something like "A Time for a New Adventure," and I'm like, "Nope, uh, uh-uh. uh, we cannot." Oh, Carl, Carl from Up. Carl from Up. No, as if no, he's, he's dead by now. As if he's moving on from Ellie and going no. on a second date, which I understand. Like widowers should be able to date, but not I don't want. Know. Not in Pixar world. Like I can't watch it. I can't watch it. So I hope it's a tease. There's like you know maybe his date is with a granddaughter or like. I don't know. The kid, Kevin's, what was the kid's name? Kevin? Or was that the dog? Anyway, the, the, that's my husband. I'm hoping it's a twist and he's not actually going on another date, but he might be. If anybody, if, if you don't remember the movie up, it is the most tear jerking 10 minutes of your life of at least of like an animated Pixar type of movie where he eventually like connects balloons and the whole, the whole house goes up. Yeah. Hence the but they do this whole him meeting his wife. Like, they do his whole life, like, in, yes. like, 10 minutes. A whole montage. You can't not cry. Like, right. it's meant for kids. But every adult is weeping because you're like, yeah, it's so passage pain- it's of It's so painful. So they're showing. It looks like at least this new Pixar short is him going on a date with someone else. And I'm like, uh-uh. No, I'm not ready for that. No one's ready for Carl to have a second date or a new adventure. No. Yeah. Carl stays Although, frozen in time. The, uh, part of the end of Up was closure. Right, like yeah, I guess you're right. That was part. All right, so here. Okay, back to the guy. Back to the guy. Serious about the guy who was reading the obituaries in Panera. Mm. I did have this moment when I thought about where would that fit in a sermon. I'm like, that is the passage of life. Yeah, there would have been a time where that guy probably would have laughed at somebody reading the obituaries or gone, "Oh, that's so yeah, sad. right." And now right. he's that guy. Yeah, I'm projecting on him reading the obituaries like. Sure. With like great melancholy going sure. like, oh, they died or, oh, I'm older right. than that person. Or, right. oh, uh, as opposed to, wow, great. I beat that guy and beat that guy. <laughs> there is something. Is it there even in that scenario of life comes at you fast? Life goes quickly. Yeah, it does. And, yeah. uh, and we just have to kind of grapple with that as we yeah, go. Yeah, I think so, too. And we're joking about, you know, we're joking about how it's already June. There is, as you get older, there is something 
bizarre about the passage of time, the way that it feels like it doesn't move the way it ought to. And I do think there's something chronological or there's something theologically there, right? Like there's, I, I don't quite have my finger on it, but there is something about God being outside of time, us mm. being made for a timelessness in Jesus. Um, th- the fact that our hearts are like moving towards eternity. And so it is a very straight, like, it's almost like time doesn't totally fit with who God has created us to be and certainly not with who God is. And yet we're here in our time and in our place on purpose. Like God has put us specifically in our time in this moment for the plans that he has for us. And so there is, it's, it kind of goes to the already not yet and the both and the paradox of so much of of our theology that we're created for such a time as this and also Mm -hmm. for not such a time as this. And so all that to say the passage of time can feel very melancholy. And yet I keep thinking about one of those Keller quotes when we read his quotes last week, um, he said something like for the Christian, like death is only an improvement. Yes. And of yes. course it was more eloquent and calorie than that. But I think the idea is like, even in the passage of time for us, though, it's sad. What we're looking forward to is so much greater, That's but right. you do have to grapple with it. You're right, Brian. So there was part of me that wanted to try to snap a picture of this guy, but that yeah. felt too far. Yeah. That felt too far. We can recreate uh, it. You can put an old man outfit. I'll take a picture of you at Panera. We'll do a Aubrey, whole I'm like, recreation. I'm like I'm like 25 years from sitting by myself <laughs> at Panera reading the obituaries. You know? We stop Aww. looking at Twitter on our phone and we start Aww. looking at like legacy.com or something. <laughs> like you're just checking <laughs> all of these things. So anyway, a poignant moment over my uh, my salad and iced tea yesterday at the local Panera. Coming up next, Aubrey is a master of evangelism. There was an interesting <laughs> article at the Gospel Coalition. Uh, Talk about this. Three reflections on evangelism in the modern West. We're going to talk about evangelism next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, you are a master of evangelism. That's what Wheaton College tells me. I am officially (laughs) a master of evangelism from the evangelical Harvard of the Midwest. Midwest. Uh, Ed Stetzer knighted you, master of evangelism. That's right. That's right. You are... You are good to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's ask this question. We're going to jump into a Gospel Coalition article out of the Keller Center. Ah. Uh, which I thought I wanted to make sure people knew it was Keller Center because that's going to take a definite. Tim Keller did evangelism a very specific yes, he did. type of way that bothered some people. Yeah. So, but let me back away from Tim Keller and the Keller Center and just ask you, our master of evangelism, mm-hmm. uh, what does evangelism look like? Uh, in 2023, mm-hmm. particularly in the West, where yep. we are. I don't mean the West as in like our country. I mean like the global West. Yeah. Uh, what does evangelism in our country look like in 2023? Effective yeah. evangelism. That's a great question. So I would say what's different now would be because we're not we're no longer in like a modern era where people appreciate sort of logic and arguments mm-hmm. um the majority of people are looking for something that's beautiful good brings justice like a little bit more of sort of a heart um a a, a heart posture versus a logic posture like i think a great example of this and i'm building towards something but when you yeah, when you think about car commercials back in the like 
I don't know, whenever car commercials first started, right? Up until probably the 80s, car commercials, maybe even the 90s, car commercials were like, this one's reliable, it was voted best in this, uh, the seatbelts work, it has this kind of engine, this, like, here's why logically you should buy this car. Well, now you right. watch a car ad and it's Subaru, it'll still tell you it's it's the safest car, you know, voted safest car by whatever, but then it'll be like, Subaru, love. Subaru, oh, Ford, emotions. escape your the pain and suffering of your life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, okay. So the mindset in our culture has changed from modern logic to a little more postmodern. We want a good story. Mm. And so because of that, evangelism has changed, not the message. And I want people to hear that, but we've moved from sort of an apologetic based evangelism where it's like, here's the logical reasons why you believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I actually think that still really matters at sure. some point. We don't start there. Apologetics kind of clears the debris for the evangelist to come in and be like, here is the beautiful story of Jesus, the mm. inbreaking kingdom of God, the things you care about, justice and compassion and love. All of that is embodied in Jesus. And so you're just sort of sharing the gospel message in a way that's nuanced to this day and age. And it's not untrue. It's actually very true. It's a fuller picture of the gospel. I also think... Um, what evangelism requires today is a lot of listening, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of listening and not trying to, as our friend Rick Richardson says, you're not trying to be a salesman, a saleswoman. You're trying to be a travel guide. Like as you're in relationship with people and you note their spiritual longings, you just sort of point people to Jesus and how the gospel meets those longings. So, um, I mean, there's obviously a lot more to unpack with our culture these days, but I would say that's sort of the heart of evangelism in 2023. And you you pointed this out already, but what makes this difficult is most of us, we lag behind, right? And so I've told you many times the story of being in high school and literally being trained to take a clipboard out to the beach or take a clipboard to the mall, ask these three questions. Right, right. You get the Romans road, all of this stuff. It was very methodical. Mm-hmm. It was also very, um, like you said, if I can just convince somebody yes, yes. of who Jesus is – If I could just do a good enough job apologetically of getting them over the line, they're going to buy it. Right, right. It's like it was done with great intentions, Mm -hmm. but it is like a sales job. It is. What's interesting is I actually think – I know we're moving towards something, but I actually think that kind of thinking is helpful for Christians who've forgotten their – like why they believe what they believe – so to sort of go back and build up that logical reason for the resurrection and for our faith, but it's not necessarily the starting place anymore. Okay, sorry, right. Brian, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, none of this says that we shouldn't uh, try to answer people's questions. Like, yeah. Uh, that still needs to happen, but maybe it's not the starting point um, all the time. And so the question then becomes, what do you do? All right. So the Gospel Coalition. Over at the Keller Center, this guy's name is, what is his name? Chris Watkin. Uh, He said this, a large part of our challenge today is to get the real Jesus in front of uh, both of those in the church and those outside. Here are three ways we might, by God's grace, just do that. So let's walk through them. Number one, he says, cultivate a biblical social imagery. One contemporary phenomenon, he says, contributing both to the de-churching of Christians and unbelievers' resistance to Christianity 
is the modern culture vigorously and effectively catechizes us every day from the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep. So basically, he says, if churches, small groups, Christian families don't provide counter catechesis, very right. uh, theological word, yep. and a thick community rhythmed and patterned by different influences, and our assumptions, dreams, and lives will remain resolutely secular. Yeah. So basically... Let's boil down to what he says. People need to see that Christianity makes a difference in your life and that you actually believe something different. And it, we have to understand, even in our churches, it's not just going to happen. Right. right? All and, the other influences go yes. the other way. Yeah. And th- we talk sometimes on this show about a counter liturgy, which is sort of like a counter catechesis. The idea is just that, like, it's not just what you believe that the Bible shapes our dreams, our the way we spend our money, our loves, our passions. And so has sort of a, like when, when evangelists use the term thick, they're talking about like a faith that in invades all of your life. And that's right. the sort of story we want to awaken in people that like the gospel is more than just like you believe the certain set of things, but like, it's the way that we live. It changes that's everything. Right. He goes on to say, understand the gospel as both the antithesis and the fulfillment of the culture's aspirations. This yeah, is it's good. This is this idea that says, if you're not a believer, like this isn't just about fire insurance. This isn't about right, getting to heaven. Right. What you're searching for is actually found in Jesus, but it's done so in the opposite way that you think it yeah, would this what is, you need. Don't you think this this is what Keller was so good at? Like, so good. here's what you're looking for. Here's what the world says. Here's how the gospel meets it. And Jesus does it better. Like, I feel like yes. this is like, this is Keller to a T, this kind of idea of the gospel being the fulfillment of your longings, but also the antithesis and like the better version of it as well. That's right. He said, and lastly, he said, help Christians to exalt in and live out this gospel shaped life. This is maybe the key, like actually live out what you say you Mm, believe. Like if people are watching, they don't just want to hear your arguments, but if you're a bad person or you're not loving your neighbor or whatever else it might be, that will work against it. And, And here's the closing line that I think is so strong. The truths of Christianity scratch the places where modern people itch. We're just not treating it that way. We kind of, like you said, go about it like it's a sales job. Yeah. Uh, wow. But but do we, I guess that's the question uh, that we'll close with. Do we truly believe that's the case? Like, right. I, I, it, I think that's where evangelism has to begin. Like, do you believe Jesus is beautiful? Do you believe the gospel mm-hmm. is beautiful? Do you believe the gospel is the fulfillment and the antithesis to all of your longings and the culture's message? If, if, and not that you have to believe it perfectly and not that you have to believe without any doubts, but like if the gospel has captivated you, if the love, if Jesus's Mm -hmm. love and personhood has captivated you, then sharing that message becomes a lot easier. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.